You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. It's five o'clock on Friday afternoon. My name's Jacob, here with you on Community Radio Station 3CR, and this is a Friday Raid. Well, here we are with a Friday Rave again on Community Radio 3CR, broadcasting to you in Melbourne at 8.55am, through the web at 3cr.org.au, via 3CR Digital, or any number of ways, podcasts, whatever, through various social media platforms. If you can't find 3CR or a Friday Rave, it's your own silly fault, because we're here. Um, This is an important reminder to not just to get your donations in, but to make sure that you pay your donations. It's Radiothon Month. Last week was the big Radiothon and the week before, but it's Radiothon Month and you need to get your donations paid. So without further ado, here's this week's Friday Rave. Sitting here in Sydney very late on Tuesday night, and what a day. So, you know, forgive me if something's happened in the last few days, but that's the way the show's going to be from now on. What we got today is Barnaby Joyce is back. And UNESCO has suggested that the Great Barrier Reef should be listed as being in danger. Now, these two issues are obviously related. Through, of course, Joyce being about as strong an advocate for the very resource extraction and development that's killing the reef as anyone. They're also related through the question of China. Because, of course, the Australian government is claiming that China's position as chair of the World Heritage Committee of UNESCO is behind the move, behind the move to um, say that the Barrier Reef's in danger. Now, it's connected because Barnyard used his first speech as deputy PM on Tuesday to signal that one of his agendas will be, and I quote, to make Australia as strong as possible as quickly as possible going on to carefully avoid using the C-word whilst describing the diminishing of Pax Americana and the rise of a new superpower that has a different way of seeing the world, and I quote, our liberties and freedoms that we took as a birthright never really thought about in the future might be challenged like they never have before. On that, Joyce's predecessor, Michael McCormack, always seemed to be sighing away from a dispute with China. Even when he famously got red in the face about someone in China saying uh, Brazil's, I think it was, cherries were superior to ours. You know, his electorate does cover a whole lot of um, huge export-based cherry orchards. Anyway, he said that his door was always open to China for discussions and he even lobbied to expand a free trade deal with them. He was, I guess I can put it as more of an old-school agrarian-based national party than Joyce's dig it up and ship it out, Resource Extraction National Party. Now, with the growing Sinophobic rhetoric coming out of the Australian government, that is perhaps one of the reasons Joyce has been brought back. Now, bear with me, as Deputy Prime Minister, he's automatically on the National Security Committee. And while McCormack never really spoke with that hat on, because he was on it too, Joyce has now signalled that he will. 
After all, what else can you make of his comment that it's a unifying cause and more important to the nation than anything else? In this, you can read, unless we create a strong security base that depends on resource extraction killing the reef, we'll all be ruined anyway. So people wanting to save the reef are playing into China's hands to weaken our once great democracy, while those exploiting it are our heroes. Now, while that's always been the case to some degree, this train of thought, I guess you'd you'd call it, because you'd call it thought, it makes resource extraction and its consequent environmental destruction and species extinction bound up with the national security in a direct link that it has not, up until now, been made so publicly, I guess you'd say. Now, it would do the federal libs no harm at all to have someone, sort of on their side, leading an anti-China security and rearmament charge from the batshit crazy end of the spectrum that Joyce represents. The usual manoeuvre, get someone to make claims that are obviously so far out there that they're not taken seriously, so you can take a step back from them and have the opportunity to do whatever it was you wanted to do, while at the same time claiming it as a moderate considered response. You think we're batshit crazy, look at that guy. That's what Pauline Hanson was doing there. That's what Graham Campbell was doing there. That's what that's what all those loonies are doing there. Now, not that anyone in charge wants a war with China, of course. They don't want a war with China. It's too costly. It'll destroy everything. But they do want an environment where the fear of war with China, well, not a fear of war with China, but a fear of any deviation from the rampant extraction of all costs and attendant security state, That both justifies and enables it. They want us to be afraid of change. And any fear of that ensures the fundamental underlying political space of turning the world into meaningless zeros on the 1% spank ledgers can continue. Not in spite of any opposition, but by and large with the tacit support of the population, because to object to it would be placing us all at risk. And just as a side here, Can you see some of the parallels here with the securitisation of the state's COVID response? But anyway, for my two bobs, Ref, that's why Barnaby's back. But China aside just for now, I may return to it in a bit. I generally do as it all impacts um, on the political and financial decisions in Australia. There's yet another reason that these two are related, and that's in their reporting, and I guess in the public perception of what's going on. Starting, Christ, where to start? How about with Suzanne Lay claiming that she and the government, and one would naturally assume, given the concept of representative democracy, that we were blindsided by the news that the world thinks the Great Barrier Reef is in danger. Is she for real? UNESCO have been warning us about the reef for 10 years, for a decade, and most of you 3CR listeners would have been aware of it for at least another 20 before that. She wasn't blindsided by the fact, though she may have been by the announcement. Maybe that's what she meant. It's only Tuesday, so I haven't read the analysis. She did say that, She and I quote, had been assured that the reef would not face this kind of recommendation before the July meeting, unquote. So obviously the issue had been discussed. And just about all the media reporting now is about whether or not China influenced the danger upgrade. 
And for the record, I think they probably did. Let's not kid ourselves that the UN or UNESCO or the World Heritage Committee somehow virtuously and impartially stands above the daily political thrust and whatever, thrust and jive of politics. Of course, the composition and the chair of international bodies influence decisions like this. The West has used its influence in these fora for forever, and China is no different now that it's getting some power. So that's not to say I disagree with the upgrade to endanger or the fact that the reef is dying. Of course the reef is dying. But an alternative question to ask may be is what kind of political interference from Australia and the US, because resource extraction companies are largely US-based, and even the ones who aren't, who are nominally Australian because they're listed on the ASX, they're generally backed by US-based finance, heads and super funds. What sort of political interference kept the reef as not in danger for so bloody long when anyone with half a brain has known that it is? And is the fact that this has come about now, possibly in part as a retaliatory measure against Australia's anti-China position, just another pointer to the decline of Pax Americana that Joyce referred to? Was Pax Americana, or rather is Pax Americana, because it's, it ain't done just yet, is it just another way of saying that countries friendly to Western corporate interests get away with murder because the West makes the rules? Is this why there's been so much emphasis being placed in the rules-based order that I've been ranting on about in recent weeks, recent months, recent years? Of course it is. You know that. Everybody knows that. They already know that. So the reporting on the World Heritage Committee's upgrading of the Great Barrier Reef to in danger has been, again, sidelined. Not that there hasn't been some journalism, some decent journalism, about whether or not it is, in fact, iron, whether or not climate change is to blame, whether or not, or rather how much, things like the Gladstone plant is directly contributing to its demise, whether things like Clive Palmer's obscene vision should go ahead, and, of course, all the it-must-be-saved-now docos and current affairs specials and all the rest of it, but there's very little on alternatives. And I don't mean about alternative energies, you know, renewables, There's plenty of talk and discussion about that, but I mean about alternatives to the underlying issue, which is not resource extraction, but the economic system that makes resource extraction, at best or worst, depending on your point of view, I guess, a necessary evil. There's no talk about who owns the resource, let alone controls the means of production. Gosh, I almost feel like a heretic for even using the term, and I'm not even a Marxist. You know, it's not about the alternatives to energy. We know about solar, we know about wind, we know about tidal energy, we know about biomass. But as long as the extraction, whether it's from the oil or from the sun, or, you know, all the figures Michael Moore came out with of the dirtiness of some of what's been clean, you know, sold as clean energy... um, All that is science. What we're talking about here isn't science, but it's about politics. It's about the will. It's about ownership and control. And the more it seems that everything is connected, and it is more connected, 
not just by, you know, information and community communications and technology infrastructure, but by the fact that more and more wealth is being concentrated in fewer, fewer hands. More and more power is being concentrated. The upward distillation means that, of course, wealth and power, which together can be known as capital, um, will be used to consolidate its position. Of course it will be. Nothing else is possible. Again, as I've settled on so many Friday raves before, there's no conspiracy. In fact, to suggest that capital would act in any other way, that there is some other force at work that would make capital act in a different way, now that would be a conspiracy. But where was I? The more things are connected, the more they're treated as if they're not. That the question of whether the reef is dying is spoken of as a separate issue to whether Barnaby Joyce, the dishonourable member, should be Deputy Prime Minister because he can't eat his dick in his pants. Though he is trying. Perhaps there's some kind of complicated system of mortification of the flesh, him being Catholic and all, that leads him to tuck his tie into his waistband. I digress. But, the, you know, even I trivialised a prick in his prick myself. Oh, dear, I was really in danger of going down a rabbit hole there. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial in Melbourne and through 3CR Digital or maybe via the website at 3cr.org.au. However you're listening to Community Radio, Radical Radio, in fact. Um, if you want to keep listening, you should go to 3cr.org.au and make a donation to keep us on the air. It's Radiothon Month. I know I've been carping on about it the last few weeks, and I know times are tough right now, but whatever you can spare would be much appreciated. And remember, if you're not in a position to make a donation, there are other ways to help. For a start, you can share a Friday Raves or 3CR social media pages to let others know about the show and about the station. Who knows, we might just attract the interest of someone who can afford to make a donny, and that might just let you off the hook. But really, if you can, please go to 3cr.org.au or give the station a call on 039-419-8377. Right now, or at least after the show. Now, I got an invite this week. <clears throat> from Amnesty International, asking me to sign a petition to, and I'll quote, protect the right to protest in New South Wales. But there's one going on about Victoria too. Actually, I got these petitions about a dozen times from different people, and I was frankly amused. But I checked them out anyway, and found their webpage at the following sentence. Take action calling on the New South Wales Police to respect our right to peaceful assembly and end their use of excessive force to break up peaceful protests. Will you add your name to the petition? Now, I have a bit of trouble with this, not just because I couldn't find any actual petition on the page, so I filled it in with the deets of one of the sock puppets I keep for just such, um, just such a time, and I was redirected to a page that thanked me and then pushed the amnesty agenda and a whole range of fundraising shit at me. There was nothing about a petition, about who was going to table it, about how many people are signed. There was nothing. 
Okay. There's that. But my main problem with it was seeing how many people had shared it on social media and linked to it and commented on it. For Christ's sake, people, what the hell is going on when people, good people, experienced activists, some of them have been in the movement longer than I have. Good people promulgate a, a petition that isn't really a petition, but that's by the by, that asks the government to respect a right to peacefully protest. Rights aren't and never have been given by the state. They've always, always since forever and a day been taken by the people. Let me just repeat that. Rights aren't given, they're taken. The moment that you ask the state to respect your right to peacefully protest, then you have in fact given that right away. If you ask for it, then you acknowledge that you haven't got it, that it's not a right, that the state has the power to grant it or not. You are, you know, in effect saying that you realise this right is not really a right, but humbly petition for it anyway. I know, I know, it's just a cynical marketing exercise by AI. But that doesn't diminish my frustration that so many people just share this shit without thinking things through and even add notes encouraging you to sign it. Don't ask for the right. Just friggin' take it. And what's this need that's resurfaced so much again lately? You know, a need to make sure the word protest is preceded every time by the word peaceful. Who determines what is peaceful? The state that you're petitioning? The police? The same thing, really. And why not the right to violently protest, or at least violently react to state violence when it's warranted? There seems to be something of a disconnect going on where we are, as a movement, on the one hand claiming that the state and its laws are unjust, and they are, and on the other, want to, I don't know, placate the state and the population by insisting that we won't cause any, you know, actual trouble and maybe not, you know, break any actual laws. Now, this has, of course, been taken to extremes with the COVID pandemic. But don't worry, I'm not going to go down that particular rabbit hole today, except to say that the movement's response to this pandemic, which I've made no secret about my disagreement with, is not a thing that has come out of the blue in response to an unforeseen scenario but a natural step in the same direction that it's been travelling in for far too long now, that I was just talking about. And that direction seems to be somewhat Presbyterian, to say the least, in my view. Anyway, for Christ's sake, don't even think about petitioning the government for your rights. Just get out in the streets, out in the workplace, in the schools. Take your friggin' rights for yourselves. They are your rights and you should not only not demean yourself by asking for them, but don't encourage other people to. Friends, don't let friends ask the government to be nice because they're not. Did you know that you can pledge your support to 3CR Radiothon now and pay up later? Call the station during business hours on 94198377 and tell us what you'd like to donate and then pay your donation later. Now, having said that you um, don't ask governments for your rights, that's not to say that you never put pressure on for anything. 
and an unusual piece of reporting for a Friday rave, there's been some good news, at least on the local council front. This week in Canberra, at their National General Assembly, the Australian Local Government Association unanimously passed a motion calling on Australia to sign and ratify the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Unanimously. The motion was moved by Darabin City Council um, down in Melbourne, seconded by Ryde and Randwick in Sydney, Byron up the coast, um, West Torrens in WA, Newcastle, it's also in New South, Inner West, Frio in WA, Mount Isa in Queensland, all heaps of them. Um, The city of Yarra as well. The push for the national body to endorse the treaty comes after 35 Australian councils have publicly declared their support for it. That's passing resolutions. 35 in Australia. And that's not just Australia. 400 cities worldwide have called on their countries to sign the AM Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Um, the Australian Local Government Association represents 537 councils across Australia. So if that's not an indication of the level of public support um, for this treaty, nothing is. And this treaty is the first to comprehensively outlaw the production, stockpiling, transfer, hosting, use and threat of use of nuclear weapons as well as assistance with any of these prohibited acts. It's got 86 signatories and 54 states um, already signed it and the treaty came into force in January this year, so only it's only been in force a few months. Australia hasn't yet signed or ratified the agreement, although the ALP has committed in policy to do so when it, and if it forms government. But don't hold your breath, kiddies. So while we push on with the trade in so-called conventional weapons in the hope of kick-starting the Australian manufacturing sector and prepping for a faux war with China, it's great to see the scourge of nuclear weapons at least is finally being addressed at the grassroots political level in this country. So hats off to ICANN, the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons, for persisting with their treaty on, you know, for all these years. And for those who don't know, this was a Melbourne initiative that kicked off close... I guess it was close to 20 years ago now. My kids are still preschoolers when they kicked it off and now they're all grown up and living their lives. When ICANN kicked off, they appeared in the first promo video with the chant, I can, you can, we can. And that's a great chant, not just on nukes, but on just about everything, I guess. So well done to the councils and to the mob at ICANN. And meanwhile, over in England, at the Atomic Weapons Establishment in Berkshire, in fact... The prime contractors, N.G. Bailey and Balfour Beatty, have been trying to make a few extra bucks by getting rid of electricians to do all the shit that sparkies do and bring in unlicensed subbies to take over some of their work because, well, they're only nuclear weapons and we don't really need fully qualified tradies to do the job when we can train people to do particular piecemeal tasks in a couple of weeks. The union organisation Sparks has been blockading the site, calling for no de-skilling in the nuclear plants. They've shut down the Bergfield plant, that one in Berkshire, um, for a few days last week and are threatening to blockade other nuclear sites, including Sellafield and other things that these companies are involved in, like the high-speed rail. Now, de-skilling is a problem unions are dealing with around the industrialised world. Here in Australia, it's one of the problems with the 457 visas. So good on the Sparkies for standing up. 
But I mean, for crying out loud, folks, with all the problems implicit in nuclear weapons, with every council in Australia unanimously calling on the Australian government to sign a treaty for their prohibition, and I'm sure it's a similar situation in England, is this really the line? De-skilling? A few bucks an hour less in pay packets? Is this really the line you're going to fall on? Maybe we should talk to the unions about refusing to work on these kind of shit things. Anyhow, that's my two bobs worth. Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 0394198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. Yep, you heard it. Get your pledge in. Call the station on 94198377 Go to the website, 3cr.org.au. Look, if we made it any easier for you, we'd have to just come around to your house and do a bird. But you don't really want us to do that. Make a donation to keep Radical Radio, Community Radio, live and free to air today. My name's Ben Jacob. This is a Friday Rave. And I'll rave more at you next week. (laughs) 